Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, hello, Canada. Today's date is May 4th, 2020. And just because you've heard it 80 times today, may the 4th be with you. Uh, it's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And it's Lewis out here in BC celebrating my birthday. And uh, I'm also quite mad as hell, which we'll get into. Yes, and uh, happy birthday to you indeed, Thank old you. friend. So, uh, yeah, today on the show, we're going to do a quick COVID-19 update. And we'll talk a little bit about the reopening of the Saskatchewan economy, which started today. And then we'll talk about what I teased in my rant over the weekend, and that will be the Trudeau government's uh, latest shenanigans uh, in the firearms field. So how about we start off with a little bit of COVID-19. So as of about 10 minutes before this broadcast started, Canada was just over 60,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and 3,800 fatalities. There was 25,000 recoveries. So we're dealing with still less than 30,000 cases and our numbers are remaining the same as far as 98% of people that have been tested and confirmed are mild cases. 2% are considered to be serious. So we're still doing a good job overall. And I guess we'll see now that economies start to reopen what uh, what that turns into. Now, I have, I got to find this just a little bit amusing, and I'm, I'm not sure if you heard uh, any of Mr. Trudeau's latest morning ramblings, uh, Lewis, but he was asked by a reporter if he's willing to push China on answering the question, you know, did it start in a Wuhan lab or did the virus start in a wet market? Because now there is, that question is up in the air and I know that some countries are searching for answers, but what do you think Mr. Trudeau said? Uh, I'm going to guess no. That pretty much, yep, you're exactly right. Well, there are more important things to deal with right now, and that's a question that can come later. It's like, okay, so if it's something that Mr. Trudeau, like his, you know, his love for China, of course, well, we we can wait. There's more important things, like I guess gun control. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Oh. You know this whole thing with China. We seem to be the only country, like first world Western nation, that is not calling for China to give us the real answers. Exactly. Um, Australia has launched an official investigation, and as to where it came from, like where it originated, um. And surprise, surprise, and, and, and I'm not saying this facetiously, the WHO has launched an investigation as to where the uh, real origins of the virus uh, are. And China is refusing to cooperate. Now, that's not a surprise. The WHO announced that that was a surprise I hadn't heard. So, uh... Yeah, that's the surprise I'm talking about. Yeah, and another, this should not be a surprise. However, the UK is going for blood. They're actually 
and one if, if, if whether they've already launched or they're exploring anyway a lawsuit against China to try to demand monetary reparations. Oh, good luck. Well, that's what I say too. But I think the best <laughs> thing they could do is sanction or else do what you and I have been suggesting and just get your manufacturing out of China and just divest in China. Period. Yeah, that's the biggest. That's the best retaliation. I think the so. The best retaliation is just to get all your 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 corporations to get their manufacturing out of China. That's the biggest. Uh, that's that would be the biggest uh, uh, retaliation that we could do. And honestly, but here's the thing: how many companies are willing to do that? Because it's going to make their products more expensive, which means they're going to sell fewer products, and because they're made in the U.S. or Canada or even Mexico, those products are going to be better quality, so you won't need to replace them as often. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know. I don't know how many corporations are willing to do that. Also, uh, China's been buying controlling shares in a lot of these corporations, so I, I don't know how that's going to affect um, those decisions. Well, that's true, especially that last point, and I mean, China might look at it from a business standpoint and figure they're making money either way, but obviously they want their people to have jobs. So, yeah, that is a tough one. Well, and this is something I've, I've listened to a former CIA operative talk about this, and he said one of the things that you have to always remember when you're looking at what China does is that when you, and he's an American, obviously, because he was a CIA operative. So he says, you know, when countries like the U.S. or England or Germany or Canada, when we make, when our governments are making plans, they're making plans in five-year increments. Uh, and even sometimes four-year increments because that's what election cycles are. Right. And yeah. so he says, our end game is always four years away. But he said, China, their end game is 40, 50, 60 years down the road. And everything they do is for that end, is to reach that end game. And he said, so when you, when you look at it in the bigger picture and you look at the moves that China makes, the things that China does, if you look at it in terms of what will this look like in 50 years, it all makes sense. And he said, what happens is uh, China buys shares in companies. They start buying controlling shares in companies. They, they buy, uh, and these companies usually are in you know, na uh, natural resources and they're in foreign countries. So, you know, like in Canada, some of our largest natural gas companies are owned by Chinese interests. Are yeah oil companies are, are owned by Chinese interests. Um, and don't forget, Chinese corporations are all tied to the uh, Communist Party of China, the, the governing party. Like they're, they're all tied together with the government in China. They're not separate entities like they are here. The, he says they, they do this kind of stuff. During, during all of this, like for the past several years, like decades, China's been stockpiling gold. They have been buying all of the world's countries' gold reserves. Like they used to all be held in, like uh, uh, Fort Knox in the U.S., right? 
yeah. that was that was where all the everybody's gold reserves were were held like countries around the world would hold would keep their gold reserves at fort knox canada has pretty much sold off all of our gold reserves yep. many countries around the world have have already sold off most of their gold reserves the u.s has sold off most of their gold reserves and who bought it all china and then China's getting all these, remember last year, China was facing massive pushback, riots, uh, protesting, in, especially in Hong Kong for over six months. Uh, mainland China was seen protesting and, and people speaking out. And then this virus shows up and it runs rampant around the world, which, by the way, a natural virus does not do. And, uh, and while this is happening and prices on the stock market, stock shares, like stock shares in, in corporations are, have dropped like 50% or 40%, China's quietly buying them all up and stockpiling more gold. So lovely there, if you, when you think about, oh, 50 years from now, you know, why is China doing all these things? Well, 50 years from now, eh, this starts to make a lot of sense. And when you've got uh, China doing all of this, plus you've got them trying, you know, desperately trying to get Huawei 5G uh, equipment into uh, Canada, the U.S., Great Britain, Germany, all these countries, Australia, they're trying to get Huawei 5G equipment into all of these countries. And, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, military has found there's been backdoor, uh, backdoors programmed into these things so that, the, so that Huawei or whoever can actually get backdoor, like get information through a backdoor in this equipment. Um, it begins to get uh, really scary. Yeah, and again, they even say like the uh, all of our, the data that we would run through the Huawei equipment would actually end up routing itself through China, that's and, right. we would, and we wouldn't even know it. Yeah, and I mean that's happened with a couple of apps, uh, which a lot of people didn't know, but um, TikTok is a Chinese app. It's it's actually the, the app is actually uh, from China, oh. and um, they're finding out that the that all of those TikTok videos and everything all get routed through China. The um, Zoom is not Chinese; it's American, but uh, it has. They found even Zoom was unaware, but their all of their communications that were happening on Zoom were all being routed through China. And they were able to, you know, the Chinese, anybody in like Chinese government would have been able to, uh, and I don't know if they did or not, but they could have actually, uh, uh, you know, listened in on all of those. Oh, my. Yeah. So, I mean, this is happening and it's, it's scary. And the thing is, is that nobody's paying attention to this. No, that's a sad thing, especially when you get something like like the TikToks of the world. Oh, free app, right on, and everybody downloads it. Yeah, but yeah. but I'm talking, but I'm talking about all the moves that China's making behind the scenes right now. 
and stockpiling gold and all of that kind of stuff. Like there, there's something going on. There's something going on. Yeah. Hopefully the world wakes up to it. I mean, uh, there, and, and there's an epidemiologist, a very, very highly respected epidemiologist who said he's looked at this virus. He has uh, examined the data from all the different countries around the world. And he said there is no way that this is a naturally occurring virus. He said because naturally occurring viruses affect different countries at different times of the year because of climate, weather, all of those things. And he said this is affecting every country the same way at the same time. And he said that does not happen with a natural virus. Oh, that's a good point. And I mean, it's so sad that the internet is, is full of so much BS because I mean, you see videos on both sides and you see videos that of whistleblower X who can tell you for sure it came from a lab in, in, in Wuhan. And that's actually starting to look more likely. But now the question is, did it escape from the lab and it was something they were studying that occurred naturally or was it a created virus? And so then, so I think now the question isn't, did it come from the Wuhan lab? Is The question is now, is it natural or is it not, right? Well, that, but I also think that the most important question is, was it released on purpose? That is a bigger question, yeah. That And honestly, the cynic in me says, yes, it was, but I have absolutely nothing to back that up, so... No, I, I don't have that anything to back it up either, but I agree with you. And, and when you look at the moves that China's making, it kind of makes you think that it was released on purpose. Um, well, and you had said uh, oh, a, a few episodes ago, a month or maybe even two months ago, that I mean, this it looks an awful lot like, like the Chinese government was engaging in biological warfare on its own citizens and just didn't care that uh, if the virus happened to spread elsewhere in the world, which is a bonus for them. And that's looking more and more like, because I mean, just exactly what you said, there were riots, there were demonstrations, and suddenly this, this Wuhan virus gets released and no more riots, no more dissent. Well, and the Chinese government was welding people's doors shut and keeping to keep them in their homes. Oh I my mean, gosh. Right. I mean, like that's there. That's actually real. They, they've, there's video of it online of, the, of Chinese uh, military welding doors shut on people's homes. Um, there's, there's also uh, the other one that is very um, makes you really think that maybe it wasn't that they were declaring. Um, this has actually got me got me rethinking my my position on them declaring biological warfare on their own people and that they were actually declaring biological warfare on the world was because when this outbreak happened in Wuhan if you remember correctly they shut down the city of Wuhan to the rest of China right they yes. quarantined that city to the rest of China but the Wuhan airport was still flying airplanes all around the world. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, another thing I want to add on, not only were the Chinese military welding doors shut, which is something I just learned, um, there was an interview I heard with a Canadian who has been living in Shanghai. And in Shanghai, and if this doesn't talk about Big Brother pre-World War II era, he actually had to carry a permit 
to go outside, even just to take his garbage out from his apartment. And if you didn't have your papers to show to the security guy outside, they wouldn't let you back into your own apartment. Yeah. There was another country back in the 30s that said, papers, please. Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah, and they labeled their uh, the citizens that they wanted to uh, eliminate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And, I mean, this is... It's it's infuriating. It really is. But it's but on top of it being infuriating, it's extremely scary because I don't know what's really happening. I mean, I have my suspicions, but but if this was all on purpose, there's a bigger game here. Yeah, that's right. And of course, because the Chinese government isn't exactly known for openness, we may never find out their actual intent, but we'll uh I guess we'll figure it out the hard way. That's the problem. Yeah, and I think that the reason, you know, I I think the fact that they're not cooperating with any investigations says a lot. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I really, really hope that that corporations and businesses decide to move their manufacturing back to North America, regardless of uh, the increase in cost of manufacturing. Yes, our goods will get more expensive, but, I mean... At least we won't be supporting a communist dictatorship. Well, exactly, yeah. And as you said in our last show, I mean, we need those jobs for our recovery. So we do. One hand will kind of wash the other in that respect. Yeah, yeah. So I want to touch on now, you mentioned the word investigation, just kind of trip my uh, memory. I wanted to give a quick update on the Royal Canadian Mounted Police investigation into the Nova Scotia shooting. And May 1st, I, I did my rant, and I know self-praise stinks, but I'm going to do it anyway. May 1st, in my rant, I lambasted the RCMP for defending their use of Twitter as their means of communication and their sole means of communication. And after 13 hours claiming they were still trying to draft an emergency alert via text. And May 2nd, the day after my rant, uh, an article comes out in the National Post that says the RCMP are now going to set up a, a national emergency procedure and make use of the emergency alert text system. Oh, wow. You're, you're welcome, RCMP. I'm here to help. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's about it, bloody time. How could they not have had this in place ever since, even since Amber Alerts, for example, or any emergency alert has been in place? Well, exactly. And how do you rely solely on Twitter? I mean, Twitter is like the dumpster fire of the internet. It totally is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, most intelligent people aren't even on it because it is a dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be insulted and attacked for saying good morning, get a Twitter account. Exactly. So. Wow. I'm, I'm, I am blown away. It was, yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't just a someone dropping the ball it was it was like there was just no procedure in place exactly yeah so now they've decided oh hey you know what it's 2020 let's make a let, let's make use of this emergency alert system so that anybody who has a cell phone can get a, get this alert wow that's a wow. great idea four years too late they could have saved some lives <laughs> well they really could have especially since well, like and i said this in my rant it it looks like the uh the guy did some of his crimes, his shootings, his arsons. It the time frame looks like he probably went home 
went to bed, had a good sleep, got up and kept on going. And you think, man, oh man, if they just had some way to warn the public, maybe someone could have been out in the look on the lookout for this, right? Yeah. Like, un- un- unreal. I just couldn't believe that in 2020, the RCMP were relying on Twitter as their sole means of public discourse. And like you say, not everybody's on Twitter. And I would say that's probably one of the worst social media platforms to utilize. Absolutely. God. Yeah. So anyway, that was all I wanted to say on that. Um, and I can't even say that this was as a result of the Nova Scotia shooting because this was already planned. But the Trudeau government made a move on Thursday or Friday of last week that's got you and I both infuriated. Yeah. So they decided that it was time to ban, quote, assault-style weapons. And immediately my the hair on the back of my neck stood up. So then I decided to take a look at some of these, there's 1,500 different rifles that are now going to be on a banned list. Yeah. And, and so I took a look at a few of them, and I'm actually going to say some of the ones I see on the banned list I'm okay with because some of them actually are rifles that are capable of being fully automatic. And I think, okay, sure. But there's uh, one in particular, and I think it's the Robinson or Robertson M14, and it looks just like uh, – like any kid's 22 rifle it's you know just got a wooden stock and it's a pretty plain looking rifle but and it's semi-automatic but for some reason it's on the list and then there's other rifles that look just like it or even more menacing that are semi-automatic that are not on the list so i'm really kind of wondering where the hell trudeau gets his advice from well did you notice that one of the weapons banned was ar15.com <laughs> I did see that and then there yeah. was a there was another couple of other co- businesses yeah <laughs> I mean there's there's so much wrong with this but I mean like they've they've prohibited 50 caliber uh, guns and and rocket pro- rocket propelled grenades which I'm actually surprised they weren't already. Well, yeah. But at the same time, when was the last time someone went around a rampage in Canada with rocket propelled grenades and 50 caliber guns? Um, the, uh, the, I saw minister Bill Blair, who I've got to say is one of the most disappointing ministers in the Trudeau cabinet. Oh considering, yeah. Considering the position he held before he became a minister. Exactly. He was the police, police chief of the Toronto Police Service, and um, I'm just—it's just shocking how ignorant he seems to be about these issues, and I'm, and it and it blows my mind because as the police chief, this is something that that he would have been very well versed in. I mean, the the question to him by Evan Solomon on CTV on the weekend was. Banning since the Nova Scotia shooter's weapon was bought on the black market in the U.S. and smuggled into Canada, would this ban that they passed on Friday have prevented the incident in Nova Scotia? 
And Bill Blair answered yes. And, and my follow-up would be how? And Evan Solomon said, how? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, because he didn't get the gun in Canada. He didn't get it legally. He didn't, you know, it wasn't a, a weapon that he didn't have a license. He couldn't buy one. And Bill Blair said, if you cut down on the supply, then it wouldn't have been there for him to buy. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not, you're being completely, um, like, I, I, I don't, I don't even have words to describe how I feel about his answer. It's just the most inane answer he could have given because, I mean, Evan Solomon put it to him, gave him the problem and he gave a solution. And in fact, Evan Solomon even said this. He said, you know, that you're, you're uh, solving a problem that doesn't even exist. Well, and yeah. I was really, and I was shocked because Evan Solomon, uh, he's, he's coming off of very grounded and level-headed in this. And he's, because generally he's, I mean, I, I got to say, in the last few years that I've been watching Evan Solomon on CTV on Question Period, I've actually been quite impressed with him. But prior to that, he was—he seemed to be very much a, a, a liberal uh, supporter and backer, and would softball liberals, right? And oh yeah, uh, but but he's really handing it to him, like he said, "You're you're solving a problem that didn't exist." Yeah, and see, I mean, I've got my own opinions on how to solve this problem where I want to go uh, first though, before we get to that, just in case we run out of time, because we got a little bit of a time crunch today is Justin Trudeau is not above breaking the law to, to push his agenda. And he's proven that time and time again. And it was circulated on the weekend that possibly he had done this again. Now I'm not sure about all of you out there in Canada, but on my Facebook feed and uh, having friends email it to me, you've probably seen by now the screenshot of them from the criminal code, which says flat out, you know, that Mr. Trudeau cannot do this, but by an order in council, I decided to take the initiative upon myself to read through the firearms act. And I'll tell you, Canada, if you ever need a cure for insomnia, just read, read any government legislation, but reading the firearms act was very difficult and it took me an awful long time to get through it. And I, I skimmed a lot of it because a lot of it repeats itself. However, uh, cut to the chase, I couldn't find anything in the Firearms Act that specifically allows the government to do this. The cl closest thing I found in there was a clause that had said that in order to make any kind of changes, the government needs to give a sitting parliament 30 days notice of the changes they're going to make. And so obviously there's a sitting parliament and there was no notice. Mr. Trudeau just decided, I'm going to do this. And away they went. So he contravenes the Firearms Act, for sure. And, and don't forget that this sitting parliament has a mandate that to only deal with COVID-19 issues. That's true. And he actually, you know, I'm glad you said that, because Mr. Trudeau did actually say that yesterday or on the weekend that once parliament begins to discuss things other than COVID-19, they will move forward with their gun control agenda and giving municipalities the authority to ban handguns in their own municipality. Yeah, which is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And it's uh, that's just going to create a whole lot of lawsuits because 
Uh, where do we start? I mean, property, of course, is a provincial responsibility. Firearms are a federal responsibility, and they want to pass that off to the municipalities. So three levels yeah, of government get to fight it out. Yeah, so you're going to see, like, the city of Vancouver is going to ban handguns. So everybody in Vancouver who's part of a who, – who is a member of a gun range where they use their handguns for, for shooting because – Many people in Canada don't know this, but you must be a member of a, a licensed gun range in order to even own a handgun in the first place. Right. And there's so many restrictions on handgun ownership in Canada. It's ridiculous. Like it's over the top so much so that I've decided that even though I'm licensed to own a handgun, I'm never going to buy one just because it's so much trouble just to use it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I and I, I am a handgun owner, and I can attest to you are absolutely correct. It is a colossal pain in the butt to own my handgun. Yeah, and so you're gonna see, it. you're gonna see someone like Vancouver, like a city like Vancouver, is gonna ban handguns, but the city of you know Surrey doesn't. But Surrey is basically a suburb of Vancouver. Or you're going to see, you know, Vancouver, Surrey, Langley all ban them, but Abbotsford won't. Or, you know, or all of this. But Or what you're going to have is like, like, so if you live in the city of Vancouver and they ban handguns, you're going to have to turn your handguns in for, for, to be destroyed. And, but if you move outside of the city, like you decide, you know, a couple of years down the road, oh, I'm going to move, and you move to Abbotsford, and they're legal in Abbotsford. Then you got to turn around and buy them all over again. That's right. And, but, but I mean, this is this is just the most. This legislation, the the true liberals have this have this uh, uh, track record of handing stuff off to the provincial governments or to municipalities. They do, they make a rule. They, they make a law and they say, we don't know how to implement it, but the provinces will. Yeah, or here you deal with it. Cities will. Yeah, you deal with it. Here, we're going to tell you what you have to do, but you figure out how to do it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, they, and they, they've been doing this for four and a half years. And here, here they take, now this is where I'm going to start getting angry. The Trudeau liberals have circumvented democracy by doing this they have yeah. they have just ignored parliament so there's been no debate no vote and i'm sure it would have passed because the block and, and the ndp and the greens would have supported the the liberals in this right so it would have, it would have passed anyway but that doesn't matter it should have gone to the house for debate and a vote and it didn't. And then they put in a grandfather clause. And they also put in a two-year amnesty. So you've got two years to turn in your, your rifles to be destroyed. And they also have an exemption in this new law. And that exemption, oh, yes. that exemption is one of the things that angers me the most. Oh, yes. It, because it is 
percent racist. Yep, it certainly is. And that exemption you're referring to is that if you are if you are non-indigenous in Canada, non-First Nations, you don't need an AR-15 to take down a deer. And that's a quote from Justin Trudeau. And the quote from, from Tony from Canadian Common Sense is, you don't need a, 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 an AR-15 to take down a deer unless you are First Nations. Then by all means, have that AR-15 to take down a deer. Yeah. But it's ridiculous. Here, but this, and this is what gets me angry. He's, the, the, the legislation says right in the fine print it says not even the fine print it's right in the in the uh beginning paragraphs and it says these weapons these semi-automatic carbines and a carbine is eight, uh, with a barrel is a rifle with a barrel length of 18 inches or less eight, 16 to 18 inches which by the way a the classic winchester 3030 is a carbine uh, it just hap- it's just not semi-automatic right now a it says a semi-automatic carbine is not uh, safe because it is not uh, a an appropriate weapon for hunting or sport shooting and yet, Later, when it says there's an exemption for First Nations who use it to hunt and provide food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It's just, it's such a contradiction. Like, are, are, do they think that First Nations are born with uh, uh, intuitive gun safety knowledge? That, the, that white people or uh, black people or or East Indians are not born with? Like you gotta be kidding me. This is the this, this is such racist legislation, it just blows my mind. Yep. And who else becomes criminals overnight for having an AR fifteen because Carbines for this particular segment of society are AR-15s, and that is our police services. Way to go, Justin Trudeau. You've made every police officer into a criminal overnight by banning the very rifles that you have supplied them with. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Bill Blair, when he was on CTV's question period on the weekend, he said, and I quote, military-grade Assault weapons have no place in Canada. You're right. They've been banned since 1974. Yep. These are not military grade by any means. And they're not assault weapons. No, exactly. And a friend of mine phoned me today and asked, because I happen to have a rifle that is... uh, it actually was a Russian military rifle 70 years ago. And so a friend asked me, well, uh, is yours on the list? And said, well, no, it's not. But it's, it actually is a military rifle. And it actually uh, was used in World War II. And it actually, from that rifle, they developed the AK-47. So I yeah, said... It's also, 
it's also a semi-automatic and I believe it's also a carbine. Correct and correct. And it also comes with a bayonet. And uh, correct again. And yes to all in the case of mine. So uh, I mean, it's by no means a harmful weapon, but I asked myself, why is it not on the list? And I'm glad it's not, but this just how inconsistent this whole, this whole mess is. And I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, Mr. Trudeau took the advice of, you know, obviously all the same radical leftists in his inner circle he always takes advice from, but it's very clear that not a single one of them knew what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, my my dad has a rifle. It's not a carbine and it's not a semi-automatic. It's a bolt action, but it is an actual rifle that was used in world war ii and it's a 30-06 oh my god i have one of those too <laughs> yeah but that but that specific rifle was actually used in world war ii well and so and, are shotguns for that matter are used by the military yeah so yeah i mean i have a shotgun so yeah. that, you, that you could actually look at and think that's a military shotgun yeah but but that's not banned yeah it's just really well it's really frustrating because it's i mean i'll i'll probably save this for a rant but i mean that they're they're trying to tackle this problem on the exact opposite end of where they actually need to go like it's just uh it's sad and it, it bothers me even just as a as a Democrat, and I don't mean Democrat as in supporter of the Democrat Party of the United States, I just mean as in someone who believes in democracy, the way this government continues to thumb their nose at democracy, and what's worse, the way the Canadians really just seem to be more or less okay with it, because I'm not. Yeah, it's quite disturbing. Um, although I'll say that there there, there is a uh, petition on change.org Uh against the firearms legislation. Oh. And uh, when I signed it, it was at 40,000, and that was three hours after it started. And within 24 hours, it was at 120,000 signatures. And the last time I looked at it, it was at 170,000 signatures. So, I mean, it's there is a lot of opposition to this in Canada. And, and I mean, I talk to people I know who don't even like guns and, uh, and they, they're really, they're really upset with how this went down with how democracy was completely ignored. And they, and they said to me, you know, like Trudeau has been showing consistently that he has a total, uh, disregard for the democratic process and uh, what with trying to become a dictator a few weeks ago to actually passing legislation that's very dictatorial um, considering it pretty much as you said contravenes the criminal code of Canada because in the criminal code of Canada it says that you cannot just decide that a gun is going to be prohibited because you don't like it yeah like, and, that, that's, it and that's the gist of it yeah the gist of it is he doesn't like it so that. yeah it, it actually says that you cannot just classify a weapon as prohibited 
if it's a weapon that is used for hunting and and i believe even sport shooting but um and so that that covers virtually all of the weapons that were just banned on friday yeah exactly so so I see so. our time is coming up, so it's probably just as good a place to end it as any. Uh, well, now that I've heard this petition exists on change.org Canada, I encourage you all to, to look it up. I'm going to do that once we are finished recording here, and I will sign that petition as well, and I hope all of you do as well. And we're certainly not done with this topic because we as Canadians cannot let our government skirt democracy or thumb their nose at democracy. That's yeah. not what this country was built on. No. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I implore all Canadians to, to just call their MPs, email your MPs, let them know that this is not right. Yeah. Another good piece of good advice. Yeah. All right. All right, Canada. Well, thank you for tuning in Canada. And until next time, I'm Tony in Saskatchewan and Lewis in BC. All right, good night, Canada. Good night.